Hello, and welcome to My Therapist's a Witch. My name is Elizabeth. I have a master's in somatic psychology, and I'm currently working towards my hours for licensure. And today, I thought we could open the portal, take a journey uh, into the specific world of PMDD and how it can affect our relationships. So for those of you who may just be joining me for the first time, I have premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which basically, in layman's terms, means I have an extreme form of PMS, but I kind of eye roll to that description only because it is a really intense and severe uh, disorder. I've struggled with depression, suicidality. Um, it's affected many of my relationships, and it really affects my whole life. So this is not just your average uh, mood swing or your average PMS experience. This is a often debilitating and life-threatening disorder. And just honoring the fact that there are many women whose PMDD is so severe that they end up dying by suicide. So I just want to really communicate just how severe this disorder is and also how um, heavy it can be. So with that being said, I've shared a couple of strategies. I've talked about sort of where to begin on your journey with PMDD. And I thought I would share my experience of being in a relationship that I love dearly and kind of the things that I've learned by being in relationship with my partner and the ways that we have learned to cope with my PMDD together. So the, the first step uh, for me was really accepting my PMDD. So for years, I kind of ignored it. I even would forget about it. I became so identified with how bad I felt during that week that I started to believe it was a part of my personality, which was pretty bad because I just thought I was a cold, distant person that did not have the ability to be in a long-lasting, loving relationship. And now the reason for this is because um, there are symptoms associated with PMDD that can be as subtle as you lose interest in things that you typically find interesting. And also there's this rage component. So if you apply that kind of with the lens of a relationship, there was a moment in my history where I could really be into someone. And then all those feelings of excitement, attraction, joy just got immediately removed during that week. And when you're not conscious of that being from a disorder or, you know, being a component of the way your body uh, is sensitive to hormone fluctuations, it can be really easy to think that there's something wrong with you on a personal level. Um, and that's what happened to me. When I met my partner that I have currently, I immediately fell head over heels for him. Um, I don't think I had ever felt 
that level of attraction and love before. And so early on in our relationship, we weren't living together. We had very similar hobbies. We were both dancers, so we were traveling over the weekends a lot. And, you know, we were a bit long distance. We lived about two hours away from each other. So it was kind of easy for me to ignore or not really acknowledge how severe my PMDD was. And for many years, I would either not plan to see him during my PMDD week, or I would mask my symptoms heavily. So if I was in an episode when he was around, I would just do everything I could to pretend that I was normal. (sighs) Yeah, just taking a minute to really honor that I worked really hard in the beginning to hide. And I had gotten in a pattern of hiding so well that I think I was even hiding from myself. I was a workaholic. I was always on the go. I had basically no time to be with myself. So how how could I? You know, I was in a perpetual state of running away from this thing. And inevitably, the months when it would just swipe my feet out from under me, I would become really depressed and just kind of hide away. And sometimes it would be really difficult for me to pull myself out of that depressive state. So as we transitioned to eventually living together, I couldn't hide anymore. You know, we, we live in a small condo together. It was the first time in my whole life that I didn't really have full-blown alone time. And when you're in relationship with someone that you deeply love and care about, when your PMDD emerges and you start to have these awful thoughts and you start to have these awful feelings and you don't feel like yourself, there's a part of you that wants to protect the person that you love the most. There's a part of you that doesn't want to subject them to the awful landscape that is inside of yourself. And so there was definitely a learning phase where I had to find a way to be able to communicate to him just how bad I was feeling and be really honest with what I had capacity for and what I didn't have capacity for. So In regards to a relationship, if you're someone with PMDD, I think the journey begins with your own acceptance of having PMDD. It begins with you getting really real about tracking your cycle, knowing when it's going to hit, getting a sense of what your pattern is within your PMDD, and really paying attention to what do you have capacity for during that week. I know in, for me, during that week, I have a very low capacity to handle really anything beyond the bare minimum of what I need to do to get through the day. So I work, I have responsibilities, and, you know, when I'm in my episode, my overall amount of energy is really low. So if I'm spending energy on work, if I'm spending energy 
taking care of myself in the way that works for me, the reality is that there's very little energy or me left to be in relationship with someone else. So once I could accept that reality, then I started to think about, okay, well, if I, if during this week, I'm basically going to be MIA <laughs> and there are conversations that my partner is not going to be able to have with me, then I really need to show up when I do have capacity. And what that looks like in my relationship is that when I feel good, I invite my partner into my feeling good moments, you know, and this might be, you know, a take, but me and my partner both have um, similar values. And I think where we really meet is within this idea that a partnership should be pretty evenly balanced and that it's all about negotiation of wants, right? Like some days he needs more, some days I need more, and we balance and even each other out in that way. Now, that sort of dance becomes very complicated when one person in the partnership has PMDD and that person is going to essentially be taken out for a week out of the month. So then it's sort of around, okay, where do we create a structure, create a system, create a relationship that supports that dynamic and that doesn't create a power imbalance that is going to breed resentment and frustration. So again, how I navigate that is that I've become very real with accepting what I can and can't do during my PMDD week. And my partner understands and accepts those limitations. And during that week, he is really sweet to me. Often all I need is to be left alone. Um, I'm not very social. I don't want to like sit down and have a chat. He knows that I'm, my brain is so scrambled that I'm not going to be able to have a real deep conversation if there's an era of conflict or if there's, you know, something happening um, that can't wait until next week. So we both understand and accept what I can and can't do during my PMDD. And my partner does not require more of me or push me or demand anything from me during that week. Now, to even that out, I've taken it upon myself to really show up for the rest of the month in our relationship. And I really pay attention to what his needs are. What does he need from me in order to feel seen, heard, held, and comforted? And I think because in many ways we both do that for the other person, it starts to create a very even mutual exchange of care. Um, so yeah, that I think is where to begin and a really important step in addressing your relationship with PMDD. Now, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that 
when we as someone with PAMDD accepts that this is a disorder, that this is probably something we're going to have to figure out a way to manage and be with for our life, I think that we also have a responsibility to let someone know who's potentially going to become our partner what our symptoms are, what we go through, and being transparent about that. And now there may be people out there who don't want to be in a relationship with someone who has something this severe. And, you know, as someone with PMDD, I could see how that, you know, hearing that, that sounds really awful. But I think where I find comfort with it is that if you're honest about yourself and you own all the parts, warts and all, then when a person chooses to be with you, you know they're there for everything. And it creates this ease in the relationship where you don't feel like you have to hide, like you have to go run away for a week, or that you're frankly left alone during that awful week. When you find someone who signs up for the same journey that you're on, then they can actually help you with that journey. So something that I wanted to share is something that I've actually learned from Forrest, my partner. And this is something that I've put together, but it's behavior and pattern that I've seen him take on, particularly when my PMD starts to arrive. For me, I feel it come on kind of like a slow creep where it's almost like a few things start to fall off until, boom, the full episode is there. And my partner is so attuned to me now that during kind of the misty phase of my cycle, when my PMDD is just starting to arrive, he kind of asks me where I'm at because he can sense a shift in me. And during that week when he does interact with me or approach me, he does it in such a way that doesn't activate me and that doesn't stress me out. And so something that I've noticed him do is something that I call grace. First, he grounds. So I see him take a breath. I notice that his body gets a little heavier and he's really grounded within himself. Then I notice that he regulates his nervous system during that moment. So he's grounding, he's taking a breath, he's calming anything that might be arising, any activation in himself. Then I notice how he acknowledges the feeling inside. This can arise if I have a moment where I kind of snap where I'm a little short, and I can just tell that he's acknowledging, okay, this is what I'm noticing. Then he communicates with me. So from a very calm and grounded place, seeing the reality very clearly, it's almost like he gets a bird eye view. He then will communicate to me either what he's noticing or he will just ask a simple question around, hmm, like, where are you uh, today? Where's your PMDD at? And he does it in such a way that I feel the last bit of the grace, which is empathize, where rather than trying to problem solve 
or go, wow, maybe you should do this or try this or take this. He just sits in it with me for a moment and is like, hmm, yeah, that sounds really hard. I'm sorry. And it brings me relief. <laughs> like it, rather than putting more on top of me or communicating in a way with me where now I feel shame and regret and I feel bad, it's done in this very graceful way that also opens up a capacity for me to do the same with myself. So when I have the capacity within my PMDD, say I'm, you know, the worst day for me is usually the fourth day. Um, say I need to communicate with my partner or a very real thing that happens is for me when I'm in my PMDD, it's really difficult for me to kind of tell what's real within sort of an emotional world. So sometimes I get this experience that my partner's mad at me, that like I've done something and he's really mad at me. And so I take a moment to ground, I regulate, I acknowledge I'm feel what my feelings are. Then I communicate with him where I'm, you know, saying, you know, just where I am in my psycho right now, I'm really struggling with this feeling that you're mad at me and I just need to check in are you mad at me and you know there have been moments in the past where he's like you know what I'm I am a little mad and then I empathize and I can go like yeah I can really see that and I'm really sorry and I own my shit and I think that is really important is that you own your warts, you own the negative, you own all of your parts. And I've reached a place in my practice with my PMDD where I understand that there are some things that are out of my control, that no matter how hard I try, sometimes I'm going to explode. Sometimes I'm going to collapse. Sometimes I'm going to get so flooded that I just literally can't. And when you see your PMDD as a thing that is either happening to you but is not a part of your personality, it's not some character flaw, it's just something that you're going through, it's an external thing, then you can kind of join your partner on both looking at this thing as a third entity or as it's sitting over there. And when I have that capacity to look at my PMDD from over there, then I have these brief windows when I can really be with my partner during my PMDD. So for instance, with me going through the graces and then I am as calm as I can be in that moment to communicate. And sometimes I have that feeling again where I think he's mad at me and I check in and he's like, nope, I'm not mad at you at all. And then I'm like, okay, whew, I can like let it go. But either way, whether he's really mad at me or not, we can reach a place where at the end, there's this relief. There's this, okay, got through it, did it, moving on. So what does it take to be with someone with PMDD? I think for me, it takes someone who 
has a lot of compassion, who is emotionally intelligent, and who takes their time to really know you and to be able to separate you from your PMDD. Now, on the flip side, someone with PMDD, I think we need to be able to cultivate self-awareness to also know the difference between ourself and our PMDD. I think we need to be able to own and acknowledge the moments when we explode or are on the verge of overwhelm. So a practice that I do is I become really mindful during my PMDD where it's almost like I'm watching myself during my PMDD episode and I'm monitoring from this sort of bird's eye perspective where my body's at, how I'm feeling, what's happening. Um, An example, for instance, is sometimes, particularly when my PMDD is just starting to begin, and like I said, a couple things start to fall away. Um, It's like this experience of the mist creeping in. Um, I can get kind of short. Things that usually don't bother me or irritate me, I start to feel like my partner is being combative or going into a weird place and then I get angry and then I can kind of get sharp. And sometimes it'll happen. And then usually I'll go take a minute and I'll really look back at that interaction in the moment and I'll go like, hmm. And then if it's really early in my cycle, I go look at my calendar and I'm like, oh, (laughs) like, oh, this is why the, you know, the PMDD is beginning right on time. And then I go back and I own what happened. You know, I usually say, hey, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to snap on you or, you know, I just felt like it went into a, a weird place. And, you know, I hold space for him And then he holds space for me. And that sort of relationship and that dance, I think, can be really helpful because when you own that your PMDD is coming and you can communicate and you can tell your partner, hey, it's here, and you can also own the moments when you explode and acknowledge, gosh, I'm so sorry, like, I'm in my PMDD, I did not mean to do this— it frees the person that you're with from feeling like they have to tell you what happened or, you know, it, it relieves the confusion or perhaps the charge of whatever you came at them with. And then it creates this ease between both people. Another thing that's really helpful is that my partner is really good about asking me what I need. <laughs> like, particularly in my PMDD, he will check in and be like, is there anything you need? And sometimes I don't even know what I need. Sometimes I'm so dysregulated and it's so intense that I have a hard time communicating, but I have gotten in the practice to communicate even when I feel like I can't. So when my partner comes in and is all like, is there anything you need? You know, sometimes I'll be like, I know I need something, but I don't even know what that is, you know, or I'll just say, 
I can't think of anything. Or I'll simply say, you know, I think I just really need to be left alone. And, and so that communication, that ability to move back and forth between each other, I think allows him to feel a little off the hook. <laughs> so if, if I'm just, you know, kind of like laying in the sad corner, you know, losing myself on YouTube or some Netflix because I just need to be distracted from the experience if it's really intense. You know, if you have a compassionate, loving partner, they there's this urge to help you. There's this urge that, oh, maybe I did something. Maybe I should you should do something. And so when you can communicate that it's not about them, that nothing they do is really going to be helpful, and that you love them, and that this moment will pass. I just need to kind of sit it out. It kind of, I think, get, gets them off the hook of feeling responsible for what's happening. And that can, that experience alone can bring up a lot in both people because it can be really hard to verbalize and communicate your needs. And also it can be hard when you're a person who maybe is overly responsible or who is really sensitive. And so when someone becomes cold and distant all of a sudden, you can start to feel like, ooh, maybe it's me. And so I think it's really important that it's not either of you. You know, the person with PMDD is not trying to be an asshole. And, you know, the person who they're with, who is watching this experience, like they're not responsible for how awful you feel. And so I think when you can both look at it as, wow, the PMDD is here, it also creates a bit of um, camaraderie. You don't feel as alone in it, even if you're just the one with PMDD and you have to experience it. You know, there are these like little, little things, little rituals, little check-ins that you can do with your partner where you feel like, you're being helped a little bit, even if that's just, hey, I just need you to hold me, or hey, I just need you to leave me alone, or hey, I have so much anxiety and stuff right now, I need you to tell me what to do, like, you know, remind me to eat, stuff like that. So I think we've been orbiting this, but I want to be explicit about it, that you know, PMDD puts a lot of pressure on a relationship. And I think that's why it's really important that the person with PMDD own what's, what's happening and finds a way to communicate what they go through in a way that the other person can really understand. I have heard stories of other folks that have PMDD and I've heard some stories from partners, men who their wives have PMDD and, you know, they really struggle. There's a lot of struggling. And with folks that have really extreme PMDD where the intervention moves to a place of getting a hysterectomy, you know, that takes a huge toll on the relationship. Now, honoring that that pressure exists and that it's there, I think both people learning how to accept it 
can start to reduce that pressure. There's um, a quote, I don't know if it's from Marilyn Monroe exactly, but I've seen it a lot throughout the years, like, you know, on Instagram or on people's Facebook posts. And the quote is, uh, "You, if you can't handle me at my worst, you you don't deserve me at my best or something like that. And now I understand why people resonate with that quote. Because yes, there are people out there who are complete assholes who in moments of sensitivity or moments of trial, they are complete dicks or they're abusive. That is true. But not every single person is. And with something like PMDD, where my worst is during that week and it's really bad and it's too it's like i don't even want to be with myself i don't, i can't even handle myself i don't expect my partner to be able to make me feel better i don't expect my partner to figure out how to you know interact with me and I think before we get really clear about what we're experiencing or what's going on, that and and before we can have that differentiation between this is me and this is my PMDD, that it can warp our perception of our partner, where we can really feel like, oh, this person doesn't care or this person will never understand or fill in the blank, fill in the blank. And now from a somatic psychology perspective, I view that in a way as a form of projection. And, you know, how interesting is it if instead of saying, oh, this person or he or she or they can't blah, 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 what happens when you change it to I can't, I blah, blah, blah. And now... Again, I want to be very clear that there are situations and types of people and scenarios where, for lack of a better word, they're real assholes. <laughs> they're not emotionally intelligent. They have really poor behavior that harms people. But what I'm talking about is if you are with someone who is emotionally intelligent who you know has a good heart, who cares about you, and who you've chosen to be your partner, so you know that they care, that the PMDD can warp your perception of them, where you start to believe and think that they're bad, where you start to believe and think that they'll never be able to comfort me, you know, where you start to believe all of these things. And that's something that I don't think people talk about is that PMDD is such an intense experience that you literally start to believe what it tells you, right? So like in the beginning of my story, I literally believed I just did not have the capacity to love people. I literally believed that I was doomed to be alone for the rest of my life. I literally believed that I was just this bitchy, critical, judgmental, emotionally turned off, depressed person. But I'm not, you know? 
I am not those things. I am a deeply caring, loving person who has a deep capacity to love. It just gets a little more hard during that one week. And my PMDD definitely, um, in the beginning of my relationship and even when we moved into with each other, warped my perception of my partner where you know, on his end, he's trying to join with me. He's trying to help me. He's trying to understand. But I'm just over here feeling like everything you do makes me feel like shit. Everything you do is making it worse. And then it starts to breed these limiting beliefs within the relationship. So again, this is why having an awareness of what's happening is so important. Because it's like, hmm, do I have those feelings? When I'm not in my PMDD, can, does my partner comfort me and is really attuned to me? And do I like what they do for me when I'm outside of my PMDD? Because if that's true, then perhaps these feelings that have now been coupled with your personality, maybe they're not fully true. And if there's an angle where hmm, maybe they're not fully true, then you get to really look at it and then you get to really decide, okay, is this a product of my PMDD or is this something that's actually real that I need to address in the relationship? Because maybe I am with someone who can't comfort me and that's kind of, you know, a really important thing to acknowledge and know. A story that my PMDD used to tell me and that sometimes still does, but, you know, this story was so loud for such a time within my relationship that I'm in now that I started to believe it. And it was the story that my partner can't comfort me. And it started to kind of get big and it started to affect our relationship because if I didn't feel good at all, I would just go off by myself. And I would never really confide in my partner. And then I started to notice that the moments when I really needed comfort or I would reach out to my partner were during my PMDD. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because, you know, you feel bad. The bad feeling affects your perception of kind of life and everything that's going on. And it's natural before we are really aware of why we feel the way that we do, that we reach out to our loved one for support and comfort and nurturing. And so when I would do that during my PMDD, he is a very problem-solving person. And so he would move into the form of comfort that comforts him. So he would, you know, kind of be very factual and he'd be like, okay, well, let's, let's look at what's real, blah, 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 and move on from there. And in that moment, I would feel worse. My brain would start to interpret what he was doing as sort of like criticism or some form of aggression or, oh, you know, it's my fault. And it would warp my ability to be able to take in what he was actually doing, which was trying to comfort me. So this persisted for a really long time and I built up quite a lot of shame and guilt because here's my loving partner who's doing their best to comfort me, but it's not 
comforting me at all. It's actually making me feel more alone. And now I'm having this shame response and all of this shit's happening. And there was a messy period like where I was being really honest with him around like, this is not comforting. And, you know, I was frustrated. He'd get frustrated. But we worked through the frustration. And in my experience, frustration is the precursor to creativity. I always get frustrated before I get creative. And when you're creative, you're also curious. And in that world, you can start to explore new ways, new interventions. How can we move forward with this? So there was a messy period where we were both frustrated you know, where he's like, what the hell? Like, I'm trying to comfort you. And I'm like, yeah, but the comforting's not working. Ah. And it, it, you know, we went through this kind of like foggy phase of trying to navigate that together. And to both of our efforts, we communicated the good, the bad, and the ugly through the whole thing. And then eventually, I was able to communicate my needs in a way that he really heard me. And that he realized that what I was asking for wasn't for him to sit in my suffering with me, but to simply be with me on a compassionate, empathetic level. Because my PMDD was removing my reasonable brain, and I'm just in this sort of animalistic, emotional phase. And so he really changed. And instead he would ask me, you know, if I came to him seeking comfort, okay, well, what kind of comfort do you need? Like, do you want me to just kind of be here in it with you? Or do you want me to move into some problem solving? And that's a great area because sometimes I do need problem solving. And sometimes I just need you to hold me and hug me and tell me I'm so sorry, you know? And so that was a way for him to figure out, okay, how do I show up? And it was a way for me to get really real with what I needed and to practice communicating what I needed because it's always been really difficult for me. Um, that's also a compounding factor because I have complex PTSD, which makes it difficult to communicate your needs. So it became this whole healing journey between the both of us in this practice. And over time, that story, that limiting belief of my partner can't comfort me started to kind of vanish a little bit. And it started to get smaller and smaller until I'm like, that's absolute bullshit. My partner can comfort me. My partner tries really hard to comfort me. And, you know, I also can communicate when, you know, something he's doing isn't quite landing in the right spot. You know, like he's really good about comforting anxiety and the theater of the mind stuff. But sometimes I just need a more nervous system type of comfort and regulation where words aren't helpful. I just need you to rub me or I need you to hold me or I need weight on my body. I literally need you to lay down on me. And I don't think I would have realized those needs if I hadn't been in a relationship with my partner where we moved through this clunky kind of frustrating phase because simultaneously as you know my partner's learning how to comfort me I'm also learning what my actual needs are and I think 
that when you're in a really healthy, strong relationship, you both start to expand as human beings. You both start to come into a sense of who you really are. And when your partner celebrates who you really are, like as you start to remove the masks that either your family system forced you to wear or the mask of pretending you don't have PMDD or the mask of being a neurotypical person, right? When we start to take those false faces away and every time you take off a layer, your partner celebrates you, your partner goes, wow, you're so beautiful, I love you. It encourages you to keep going. And I don't think that process for me would have happened if I hadn't been in a relationship with someone who celebrated my growth and who celebrated my true personality. So the other day I was actually talking with Forrest and I, you know, was trying to figure out a good angle to talk about on uh this podcast. And, you know, I was posing the question of him around PMDD and even being like, maybe we should talk about it together. And he just started kind of proselytizing in this very Shakespearean, beautiful way. And it's a huge reason why I adore this man. Um, I often joke with, ooh, you taunt me with your vernacular. <laughs> Um, but he said something that was just so good, and I wrote it down so that I can quote him. And um, what he said was, the performance of perfect becomes the death of a relationship. And when I heard that, I got this total download where I realized another gift that my PMDD has given me. When I'm in relationship with someone, like my partner, I can't hide my imperfections. They're there. Like, I'm an imperfect being, and my imperfection happens to be really loud that one week out of the month. And in a way, I think it has made us grow closer together because when my partner saw me in my imperfection, he realized how much of his imperfection he was hiding from me. And so it invited him to show up in the relationship, again, warts and all. And it invited him to start removing his masks, right? And one of the beautiful things was that I, in return, celebrated him every time that he did that. And I had the capacity to really show up with things that he was struggling with and I could hold that space for him and I could learn what type of comfort I need to give to my partner. So I think when both people in a relationship, regardless if you have PMDD or not, are both pretending to be perfect, I don't think the relationship is going to go very well. And so as someone with PMDD, I try to look for the hope. I really try to move my brain towards any star of positivity that's in this sea of awful that I experience. And I've found quite a few stars in the sea of awful. And I think the other night when I was speaking with Forrest, I gained another star, which was, you know, my imperfection 
created a safe space for my partner to be liberated into his imperfection. And then together as two imperfect beings, we still love each other. In fact, I think I love him more. So to close, I wanted to address a question that's been quite persistent that I've received from several folks who are in relationships and they're seeing patterns that may correlate with PMDD. And the question is really around how do I offer this as a potential thing that's happening to my partner? And I've been thinking about this for a really long time because I think it's really tricky and I don't think there's a right answer but I can tell you how I would probably um, tell someone. And as someone with PMDD, there's definitely a phase in my life where I was really resistant and I don't think I would have taken anyone even seeing me <laughs> as a positive. But I think as long as you approach something from a very loving, compassionate, and empathetic place, and you're very clear about it not being a judgment or a criticism, and learning how to say it in a way where it doesn't come across as that way is just kind of a lovely um, approach to any difficult communication. But I think particularly with PMDD, what's helpful is to acknowledge how hard it is. And if you're seeing these symptoms in your partner, you're watching them suffer, you're watching them have a really hard time, is meeting them where they're at. So just in a, you know, maybe a moment when they're not in their PMDD episode or where you're not observing it, just being like, hey, I want to have a conversation with you and, you know, I want to do my best, but I'm been noticing something and I want to talk to you about it. And just opening that door around, I'm noticing during this time of the month that you're, str you're struggling. Like I'm noticing how hard things must be. And I've been listening or I've read up on, on this thing that, you know, might, might bring some insight, might be a way of finding relief. Um, that, that's at least how I would do it. Um, again, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer and I think it's really tricky. And I think depending on where that person in is, is in their journey of acceptance kind of decides for you of where that conversation can enter. So for instance, if I tracked a person who is pretty self-aware, who has confided in me a couple times about feeling really shitty and I have been tracking a couple of months and I notice that there's this pattern um, that correlates with PMDD, I would probably just be like, hey, have you ever heard of PMDD? Just in a very like normalizing way. And if they haven't, just being like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's tied to a woman's cycle. Um, it usually happens the week before. And I'm, I'm just noticing like it, things seem to be hard the week before your period. Like, what do you feel about it? What, what are you tracking? What are you noticing? And just being very gentle and, and making it a collaboration versus like you have this thing <laughs> 
or, you know, you got this thing, go fix yourself. You know, just being very soft and gentle and curious about it. Because, and I want to be clear, PMDD is hard. It puts pressure on everyone around the person who's experiencing it. But if you're a partner, I just need you to know, like, however awful you feel, the person that's in the PMDD is feeling way worse. And so if you can approach any conversation or any level of connection or joining from that perspective, which however bad you feel, the person is feeling much worse and is probably doing their very best because nobody wants to feel this way and nobody wants to make their partner feel bad. So I think just approaching it again with grace, approaching it from a place of compassion and approaching it from a place of like, you're not alone in this. You know, perhaps even for some folks, I could imagine it being very comforting to hear you're not in this alone anymore. So for what it's worth, that's, that's my take on that question. I hope something that I shared landed. I hope something that I offered is helpful. And my wish for everyone listening is that at some point soon, you find relief. All right. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate your time. And until next time, take care. <laughs>